Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Oh, God is good. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Mark that in your Bible. Hold that place. I'll get there in just a second. Hey, last week, if you were here, didn't David Ray do an awesome job talking about following the cloud? I love, I love the message that God is bringing us as a church. And today we start out a new series called Missing Pieces. Somebody say Missing Pieces. Have you ever felt like you were missing something? You know, I'm going to give you some scenarios. I wrote down a list of about seven or eight things where it just feels like, hmm, I know I got a lot going on. I do have a lot of pieces on the table, but it feels like some things are missing. I know we've got a lot of great cooks in the church. Have you ever tried a new recipe, and then when you did a little taste test, you're like, hmm, it's missing something. Something's missing. Or what about assembling a piece of furniture? Or, or maybe it's, it's the night before Christmas and you're trying to put together the toys. And, you know, in this assembly project, there's always extra pieces and you're thinking, man, why, why are these here? But then there's always a few pieces that are missing. Are you with me? Yeah, and you're like, wait a second. And then you realize, wait, I didn't read the directions and so there's probably an explanation behind this. But what about packing for a trip? Have you ever packed for a trip? And you think you got everything, you're making that little checklist in your mind, and then you roll to wherever you're going, and you're like, I forgot something. Yeah, last weekend, Rachel and I, we had a chance. We were at El Paso for uh, our 10-year anniversary as a campus there in, in El Paso. But we also spent some time in Arkansas. I did a wedding up in Hot Springs. You ever been to Hot Springs? You ever heard of Hot Springs? There's a place called the Pancake House. Somebody say, move of God. <laughs> Blueberry pancakes in hot springs will change your life. Well, so we went up there to do a wedding, and uh, so I get to the hotel and realize that I brought my suit, but I didn't bring the button-down shirt. Yeah, so it just looks a little strange to wear a little Under Armour workout shirt with a suit. So Rachel and I rolled to TJ Maxx. Come on, anybody? Come on, ladies. Come on, how many of you, TJ Maxx is your happy place? Talk to me, Rachel. Where you at, girl? She loves her TJ Maxx. It's amazing. We'll travel, go to New York, be like, hey, let's go to the Empire State Building. Let's go to, you know, the Statue of Liberty. She says, do they have a TJ Maxx there? I love it. Uh, what about kids? How many has ever loaded up the car and uh, man, you roll out and you feel like something's missing? And you're like, wait a second, one, two, three. What, we left somebody. Has anybody ever left a kid? I know some of you have. You leave them here at church. Take your kids with you. We love your kids. We just don't want them all the time. Um, you ever sent a text message? You sent out the text, and you're in a hurry to get the message out, and you knew what you meant to say, but what you actually said, you missed a few letters. How many of you have ever been embarrassed by autocorrect? Oh, yes, indeed. What about going through the drive through Okay, now this is a dilemma. I, I feel this because I'm a people pleaser. I go through the drive-thru, and I feel the pressure of all the people behind me, and I don't want to be that guy. You know what I'm talking about? 
don't want to be that guy. But I also feel the mandate from my wife to make sure that everything necessary is in the bag. Come on, talk to me. And you don't want to be the guy that holds up the line, but I don't want to get to the house and realize they didn't pack my waffle fries. Somebody said at Chick-fil-A, I just trust Chick-fil-A so much, I don't even check my bag. If they get my order wrong, I just assume they know what's best for me. <laughs> Something's missing. Missing pieces. Have you ever had, now, now this may be only unique to me, but I have a recurring dream. When I was a kid, I would dream that I would show up at school, got my backpack ready to start my day, you know, got my shirt and, you know, my new shoes. And I walk down the hall and it just feels, okay, I think I, I forgot something. And I forget to get dressed completely. Do you have that recurring dream that you, okay, y'all pray for me, y'all. It's, it's bad. You know, the older you get, the more things seem to go missing. We're missing our teeth. We miss our hair. Uh, we're missing pieces of our memory forgetting things. Some of you have been missing that filter. You used to have a filter when you were 20. Now you just say whatever comes to your mind. We spend our entire lives searching for things that we feel like are missing. And today in this series, and I love it, over the next five weeks, we're going to talk about the things in life that seem to be missing, but God has promised to fill. The problem is missing pieces. But the answer God gives us in his word, there are certain pieces that you're going to receive today and over the next several weeks that are going to make perfect sense on how God has wired you. And what I want to talk to you about today, the first of these missing pieces is the word community. Everybody say community. It's amazing how you have everything together, all the appearances together on the outside and still be missing something on the inside. You know what I thought was fascinating? Speaking of missing pieces, the first piece ever mentioned in Scripture that was missing, when God looked down at creation of all that he had accomplished, in six days God created the heavens and the earth, and he rested on the seventh day. It's amazing how God identified the first missing piece to the puzzle as being community. I mean, you, you understand the song of creation. In, in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, you see how God spoke and God said, and so it was, and it was good. Everything he did, he spoke out of nothing came something, and God said, let there be light. And God separated the land from the sea, and God created the, the, the day and the night, and God said, and so it was, and it was good. The first missing piece to the puzzle that God identified, he said, it's not good. Somebody say, not good. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. That's the first missing piece in the creation puzzle. And from that day to this day, God has wired each one of us for community. Now, you can be connected on a lot of different levels, but if you're disconnected relationally, you will always be empty on the inside. Now, now what, what's, what's interesting to me is God would look at Adam, and here they are in the Garden of Eden in sinless perfection, God has fellowship with Adam, and yet Adam sa or God says about Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, God wasn't saying that he missed it. How many of you know God doesn't miss anything? Can I have a better amen? There's no missing place in God's heart. God didn't make a mistake. How many of you know God has never said, oops, 
Nothing has ever occurred to God. Are you with me? He's never thought, you know, wait a second. I, I forgot to include that. God didn't say it's not good for man to be alone because he missed something. God said it because he didn't want us to miss it. Can I have a better amen? So I want to talk to you about community, this piece of the puzzle that I think all of us are searching for and sometimes we struggle to find. Community is a big deal. In fact, community is something that we all need, but sometimes we struggle to embrace. It's what we need the most and sometimes what we want the least. When sin came into the Garden of Eden, it's amazing how Adam and Eve, not only did they hide from God, but then they hid from each other. And from that day to this day, I think we've all struggled to find that missing element of community. Today, I want to talk to you about community. Look at Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and I, I think this is going to get us started in a fantastic way as we walk down this road called Missing Pieces. Luke 5, verse 27. Bible says, later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi. Also, he's, he's known as Matthew. Levi is his Hebrew name. Matthew is his Greek name. He saw a tax collector, collector, collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, he left everything and followed him. Now, right off the bat, I want you to notice Jesus does three things in this account in Luke chapter 5. I want you to notice how Jesus calls us individually. He calls us individually. Now, give you a quick history about why this is so significant. Why did Jesus want Matthew or Levi on his team to be a disciple? Matthew was a tax collector. Now, if you know anything about your biblical history in the first century, Rome controlled the world. Israel was under Roman power. Matthew was a Jewish citizen working for the Roman government. Okay, so he was already despised by his fellow friends. But he was working for the government in the position of collecting taxes. Now, he's collecting taxes on behalf of the government, but he's also using his position of power to pad his own pockets. He's charging extra. So he was hated by all of his friends, but he was wealthy. He was despised. He was considered a traitor. And yet Jesus looks at Matthew in his tax collecting booth and says, I want you on my team. Does it ever amaze you how God can call you out of your sin, out of your darkness, out of your confusion? He can look past all the exterior and see potential inside of you. Don't you love that about Jesus? He calls us out. He calls us by name. People knew Matthew by his sin, but Jesus called him by his name. He says, I want you on my team. I love the fact that God can see us in our mess, and in spite of the mess, he still wants us. I don't know what kind of mess that you've made. I don't know what kind of mess that you're in, but I'm here to tell you today, God calls you individually. He says, listen, I've got something better for you than what you're experiencing now. Here's the good news. Your current struggle doesn't disqualify you from your future calling. Can I say that again? Uh, your current struggle will never disqualify you from your future calling if you surrender to him. Jesus says, Matthew, 
Come be my disciple. Now think about it. This is one of not only the disciples, one of the 12, but he's written the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. I love it how God looks past all of our problems and he sees our potential. I think this word today is a specific word for people. It's not just a generic Sunday morning where we're going to talk about a few thoughts and hopefully you can grab a hold of. I believe God has something specific that he's carved out using this word to fit exactly what you need. Jesus looks at Matthew and he says, I want you to come be my disciple. Jesus calls us out to bring us in calls us out of darkness, out of confusion, out of our problems, and he brings us into something. He calls us individually. Now, look at what it says, verse 29. Later, Levi, Matthew, held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors, I want you to underline that, circle that phrase, many of his fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. They said, why do you eat and drink with such scum? (laughs) Don't you love how the Bible just keeps it real? That's awesome. The second thing I want you to see is this. and Here's where I really want to drill down. I want to spend most of my time on this point. Not only does Jesus call us individually, but number two, he gathers us collectively. He gathers, he calls us out to bring us in. And some of you know what this is about because you were out living in sin, living in craziness, a life of brokenness and pain, and God called you out of that, and then he brought you into something better. Are you with me today? Come on, are you into this this morning? Okay, now we're going somewhere. Watch where we're going. So he calls us individually, but then he gathers us collectively. He says, Matthew... I want you to leave that tax-collecting booth, and I want you on my team. Now, Matthew goes from the booth to the banquet, okay? The booth represents his old life, his his sinful life, his poor choices, his brokenness, his selfishness, his greed. That's what the booth represented. Jesus called him out of the booth, and now we see Matthew at a banquet. The banquet represents his new life. Interesting to me how the very first thing Matthew does when Jesus calls him, Matthew throws a party. How many of you like to throw a party? Oh, yes, you do. Don't get all religious up in here. Matthew didn't say, Lord, I want to go to the synagogue, and I just want to have church. He said, no, I'm going to throw a party at my house. And look at who he invited. Who did Matthew invite to the party? Well, he invited all of his, all of his old friends His tax-collecting friend. This is so good. Listen to this. Listen to this. He didn't invite the who's who of the Christian zoo, right? He invited hoodlums. You know, he invited these, these guys that were as bad as he was. He said, listen, Jesus, if you did this for me, surely you can do it for my friends. Lord, if you changed my life, if you called me out and you brought me in, Jesus, I'm bringing you into my world. I see, I got all these relationships. I got all these connections. Lord, if you did it for me, I know you can use me to do it for them. Have you ever, watch, oh, check this out. This is funny because I've heard some of you talk about this. Have you ever come to Healing Place on a Sunday morning and you look across a crowded room and you see someone that you knew from back in the day? Come on now. And when you saw them, your immediate response, when I say back in the day, you know what I mean? 
back in your BC days, your before Christ days, the days when you were building your testimony. Come on, talk to me. Oh, yes, some of you are working hard to build that testimony, running around with some of them crazy people. It's been years since you've seen or heard from any of them. You come to church on a Sunday morning, and you see that same riffraff you used to hang out with, and you think, what in the world are you doing here? And they look at you and say the same thing. I was about to ask you the same thing. You, I mean, you wouldn't have dreamed in a million years that they would come and be at church on a Sunday morning because you used to run with them. And you know the things that you were a part of. But see, Jesus called you out, and he brought you in. And Matthew said, Lord, if you did it for me, maybe you can do it for all of my friends. You see, Matthew had no, check out his resume. He had no religious pedigree. He was a man of questionable character. He had no small group training, but he says, I'm going to throw a party at my house. I'm about all these crazy folk that I used to run with. And Jesus, would you just come and would you just be with us? You see, listen, church, don't miss this powerful point of evangelism. When Jesus saves you, when he heals you, when he delivers you, when he rescues you, it's not just for you. But all those people that you were at one time connected with and knew, if Jesus did it for you, he can do it for them. And he wants to use you to bring them in. Now, a spirit of religion will always criticize that. Because the Pharisees, they begin to condemn what was happening. Why do you eat with such scum? Come on now, are you with me? Sometimes my fear is this, that when we say yes to Jesus, then we isolate ourselves and we live in some Christian bubble. Now, now notice there's balance to this. You know, the Bible says that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Okay, nod your head if you're with me. We're in it, but we're not of it. My fear is the church has now become of the world, but we're no longer in it. Mm, Come on now. Come on now. Matthew gets this revelation. Jesus, you want me on your team? I'm so thankful that God would look at our mess and still want us. But if Jesus would do that for us, who else does he want to do that for that's been connected to us. You see, he calls us out individually, but then he gathers us collectively. Matthew didn't say, hey, let's have a church service. He said, let's have a party, and we'll do it at my house. You know, it's the difference between circles and rows. You know, a church service is all about rows. We've got rows here, but a party is all about circles. A circle is where you sit face to face, and that's the power of a small group. Small group community is an environment where Jesus shows up in dynamic power. Now listen, we come to church on Sundays, and I pray that you're inspired. But it's in a small group context that you're going to be empowered. You see the difference? Now, community is a missing piece to the puzzle. I would hate to think that we come Sunday after Sunday, and it's a large gathering of people, but we're kind of familiar strangers because we don't really know each other. We're not known. Uh, Community is where you can know somebody and be known, where you can serve somebody and be served, where you can celebrate somebody and be celebrated. Are you with me today? You see, Jesus calls us individually, but then he gathers us collectively. Matthew said, I'm going to put a group together, and I want to invite Jesus to come and be right in the middle of it. I think how the church gathers is extremely important. 
Have you ever seen those shows, the, 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 the nature documentaries? Maybe it's uh, National Geographic or it's uh, Planet Earth. And you see this, this herd of like wildebeest or impalas. How many have ever seen those? And you see them all gathered together and, you know, they're just kind of grazing. They're kind of chilling. And then in the tall grass off to the side, there's this lion that's prowling. Come on, nod your head if you're with me. And you know where this thing is going. You know where it's going. And you, you, you're, just, you're talking to the television. You're trying to give a warning to that little, there's a little baby Impala, and he's just kind of doing his thing. And, you know, and there's mama kind of close by keeping an eye. But, but the, you know, this little teenage Impala, he's wanting to kind of explore. And you're like, oh, no, no, don't do it. Don't look behind you. Look behind. And you, you, you want to make an announcement. You got to, hey, this, this thing in the ground, you can't see him. What is the goal of the lion? is to separate, to isolate that little impala. Because he knows if he can isolate him from the pack, then he's vulnerable to attack. Boy, come on now, I'm telling you, I'm I'm talking to somebody here. The enemy walks around as a roaring. And what's he trying to do? He's trying to isolate you. He's trying to, if he can move you from the strength of the pack. You see, sometimes we come to church and we wonder, well, why do we struggle? Well, you come to church, but you're not necessarily in a group. You're not connected, and the enemy knows that you're vulnerable. And you say, hey, little buddy, get back in, get by mama, get close back to all of the other. You got to get together because when we stand together, listen to, if we don't stand together, we'll fall apart. The plan of the enemy for the church is that we would self-destruct. I didn't say this in the first service, but I want you to know this. The enemy of your soul is defeated. The cross has defeated the enemy. He knows he has no power over the church. He has no power over God's people, only the power to deceive. And when you're isolated from the group, you're easily deceived. Say, well, wait, the power is in our coming together. It's in our being connected you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was at the health club. One of the ladies had kind of walked in, and she set her stuff down. She was right next to me, and she was talking about, oh, I just ate so bad this weekend. And, you know, I've been out of routine. I'm trying to get back in it. Oh, I just hadn't been doing well. I said, hey, listen, you know what? Today is a brand new day. The Lord's mercies are new every morning. Girl, you can do this. She looked at me, and she said, do you know who you remind me of? You remind me of somebody. I was like, what? She said, you remind me of that preacher at Healing Place Church. <laughs> Honest to God. You remind me of that preacher at Healing Place Church. I said, you know, I get that a lot. <laughs> she said, wait a second. You are that preacher at Healing Place. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. I didn't know where we were going with this. She said, several months ago, she said, my husband and I, we were involved in a church, experienced a lot of pain. We were wounded felt like we needed to find a place of healing. She said, I didn't want to go to that church. See, people say they don't want to go to a big church because they feel like they get lost. I get it. I understand. This is an intimidating environment. I've had people walk in the building and say it felt like a mall. They were looking for the food court. (laughs) Well, we got a cafe. Don't have a food court, but... That's why we have to work hard to grow smaller. As the church grows larger, we have to create small group community. She said, I, I got caught up in the traffic on Highland Road that pulled me up in the, in the parking lot. And I get out of my car. I'm thinking, man, what am I doing here? And here comes a golf cart pulls up right next to my car. 
hey, you want a ride? She said, I jumped on in. That golf cart took me curbside right to the church. Got out the, the golf cart, walked through the door. I was greeted by friendly faces, people that didn't even know me. They were so kind to me. And when I stepped through the doorway, I felt something different. I just sensed the presence of God. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know anybody in the building. Then all of a sudden, somebody was walking up the stairs, looked at me and said, hey, do you want to come sit with me? Invite, listen, we all need friends. Can I have a better amen? As a church, we want to be big enough to reach the world, but small enough to feel like home. Strength comes when we are gathered collectively. Jesus knew this. I want to tell you, in fact, I want you to see this progression, okay? And if you're taking notes, I want you to write down these words. All of us long for friendship. Everybody say friendship. We long to have chemistry with other people, people that know us, people that care about us, people that encourage us and empower us, people that we can add value to. Life is best expressed when we're close and we're connected. We all want friendship, but you know what it takes to have a friendship? It takes some authenticity. You got to be authentic. How many of you know you can't be friends with somebody that just plays the game? Somebody that just wears the face. Somebody that just pretends, okay? You got to keep it real. Can I tell you this? Everybody's weird. <laughs> oh, okay, can I, all right, now listen, that was shocking revelation to some of you. And some of you think that you're normal, but you're not. Those of you who, who that, that kind of stunned, it's worse than you think it is, all right? Everybody's weird. Turn your neighbor and say, you got some stuff going on. Everybody is weird. We all got our hang-ups. We do. I do, okay? My kids remind me of this consistently. I wake up in the morning, guess what? I know this is strange. I'm happy. <laughs> I love mornings. I get up. I get up early. I wake up at 4.30, and I'm happy. I, I know. It, my dad told me this. There are two kinds of people in the world, those who love to get up in the morning and those who hate those who love to get up in the morning, right? I, I, I sing, I, you know, I, I, I take the kids to school and I'm, I'm happy and I'm exploring the possibilities of this day and, you know, I love talking to my kids and they don't understand. I love talking to their friends. They're afraid when I talk to their friends. How many know that being cool is a bondage, all right? I've, I quit trying to be cool. Look, your pastor has some issues. I get it. Guess what? It is what it is. You're going to have to love me and accept me as I am. You know why? Because the grace of God does. And so guess what? We're all weird. But the, the, the tragedy is we try to hide weirdness. We try to manage it and make other people believe that we really got it going on when we don't. Everybody's got their own issues. Everybody got their own little idiosyncrasies, their own quirks. And, you know, so drop the, the, the camouflage and let's keep it real. It's funny because the other day we were driving down the road. I was like, Trevor, today's going to be an amazing day. No, it's not. We got school. <laughs> like, dude, this could be the best day of your life. Impossible. I said, okay, well, dude, what's the perfect day? Tell me your perfect day. This is a conversation we had three days ago. Tell me your perfect day. He said, okay, my perfect day would be this. We're playing against you high, and because he goes to Dunham. You high against Dunham, and you know, we're down by it's like four or five points. I catch a Hail Mary touchdown in the end zone to win the game. We beat you high, and then you and I roll over to Izzo's, and I eat a burrito. For real. And then after I eat the burrito, then every dog in the world comes and licks my face. 
Strange. I know it is. It is. Every dog in the world comes and licks me, and then we go home and we watch LSU beat Alabama. That's weird. <laughs> See, friendship requires authenticity, but listen, authenticity demands vulnerability. Vulnerability. We don't preach vulnerability in today's world because everybody's trying to be stronger than the other, be better than the other, achieve more than the other. But there's something about vulnerability that creates authenticity, and out of that comes friendship. Now, listen, if we're going to be vulnerable, somebody's got to take initiative. Somebody's got to step out and say, you know what? I got some things happening. You know what's sad to me? People in my position, pastors struggle to build friendships. You know why? One of the reasons why I feel, because I've heard this my whole life, is that a pastor can never be friends with the people that he leads. Have you heard that before? Oh, no, no, no. Don't ever. Pastor, you can't. Now, be kind to people, but you can't build lifelong friendships with the people that you lead because people will hurt you. You know, people will take advantage of you. got to be up here as the leader. You're the man of the hour. God's tower of power, too sweet to be sour. Hold yourself high. And listen, you know what? As pastors, if we do that, and for years, for decades, pastors have bought into that idea that they can't be friends with the people they love and lead. It's almost like we're porcupines. You know, how do you get close without getting hurt, right? I said, I can't live that way. I can't live that way. Pastors get isolated. Yeah, in a group this size, they could feel all alone. I said, you know what? I refuse to live that way because I know that I am wired with a missing piece called community. And I, Jesus looked at his disciples. Think about this. Jesus looked at those 12 men after three years that he had been leading and transforming and empowering, and he looked at him and he said, I no longer call you servants. He says, I now call you friends. Oh, some of us come to church week after week, and we love what we feel, but we're still trying to find friends. Jesus said, I've created you for community, so I've called you out in order to bring you in. Can I have a good amen? You see, big doors swing on small hinges. I want you to hear me. Big doors swing on small hinges. And small group community is a little hinge that can swing open a wide door of opportunity for you. The Pharisees begin to criticize. Why do you eat with such scum? This tax collector and all of his friends. Look at what it says, verse 31. Let me wrap this up. Jesus answered them and he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Come on now. Healthy people, all y'all trying to pretend that you're healthy. He says, look, if you're already healthy, you don't need me. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they're righteous already, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Can I have a good amen? 
This is the beauty of the gospel, is the gospel is not for the proud, it's not for the self-sufficient, but the gospel is for ordinary, weak, struggling individuals like you and me. And Jesus said, I have come specifically for you. He calls us individually. He gathers us collectively. And the last thing, number three, he helps us intentionally. He helps us. He helps us. He comes to help those who recognize their need for him. You see, Jesus is the doctor. Jesus is the doctor, and he has the medicine that we need. You know what? Church is never supposed to be a museum for perfect people, but it's supposed to be a hospital for hurting people, for for broken people. When you pulled up on campus today and you saw that sign, a healing place for a hurting world, What did it mean to you? This is an environment where I can find help, an environment where I can find hope, an environment where I can be healed. You know, let me wrap this up. I thought this would be an appropriate way to finish. I recently learned of a young lady. She had battled depression during her adolescent years. Teenager, just filled with anxiety, worry, stress, and fear. She attempted suicide at the age of 14. She felt like life was no longer worth living. So she tried to end her life. Didn't work. She carried just the the brokenness and dysfunction of that for a, a number of years. And at the age of 16, she started dating a guy that she thought would be good for her. Well, he'd tried to take advantage of her. He abused her. At the age of 16, she was abused by him and all of his friends. And she, so she carried such, such anger toward God that she walked away from God altogether. She said, I want nothing to do with God. I want nothing to do with the church. I mean, hurt and pain just magnified in her life. She, she's in college, and she meets someone who invites her to a small group. I mean, remember, she had turned her back on God and left the church years ago. Somebody invites her to not a row, but a circle. Not a church, but an apartment with a group of friends. These are her words. I want to read you her words. She said, the very first meeting, when I walked into that small group, I felt an overwhelming power of complete and total love. It was the first time in years where I felt accepted. I felt cared for. I felt like I was worth something. That night when we did prayer requests, I completely broke down and shared my story. Authenticity, vulnerability, initiative. She said it was the first safe thing that's happened in my life in years. That day I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I was saved in a small group. On Sunday, September 9, 2018, I was baptized at HPC. And my life has never been better. I'm connected with other girls. I feel loved and supported by God. I have a foundation of community that I've never known before. It's the first time I feel connected with something important. And I'm no longer scared anymore. I can sleep at night. I feel comfortable going to places. I know God is always there for me. This was the greatest decision in my life. You know, three or four weeks ago when we did water baptism, she was baptized up in that tank. And guess who was there with her in support? All of her small group. You see, I believe, and there's coming a day 
we'll see more supernatural transformational moments like this in a small group than we ever will in church. You see, Matthew didn't invite him to church. He invited him to a party at his house. Why? Because he knew that Jesus was going to be there. The Bible says in Matthew 18, Jesus says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name. Come on now. What two or three are gathered? It kind of sounds like a small group to me. Two or three are gathered in my name there. Somebody say there. Say right there. Jesus commanded his presence would be right there. I'll be there in the midst of them. Jesus is the solution for every problem, for every broken experience, for every hurt in our heart. Jesus is that missing piece. Do you believe that? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.